The Guardian. Hello, my name is John Plunkett, and welcome to the Media Talk Quizmas Special. That's right, it's a quiz, and it's Christmas. It's a Quizmas. Or if you like, have I got media news for you? But without the guest hosts or uh, panellists you've ever heard of. Of course not, you've heard of all our panellists, and you've heard of me. My name's John Plunkett. Coming up, we have a review of 2012, as told through the medium of quiz. Have you got the idea? It's a quiz. There'll be some surprises, some awkward references to Gangham style. Is it Gangham or Gangman? Don't answer that. I've not introduced you. Paul, stop it. And everyone will outstay their welcome. Just like Boxing Day, in fact. This is Media Talk from The Guardian. I'm joined for this uh, Christmas special by two teams of two people. That seems fair, doesn't it? Uh, on my right is Vicky Frost, who's the uh, TV and radio editor of The Guardian, and Mr. Ollie Mann, who you might know from the Sony award-winning Answer Me This podcast, who's also hosting a show on LBC over the Christmas period. So good luck with that. Thank uh, you very in much. In a sort of linear fashion. Yeah, I'm presenting overnights, uh, most nights over Christmas, because right. yeah, nothing yeah. says let's celebrate Christmas like uh, calling a talk radio station and talking about the news with me in the middle of the night. Overdoing the plug. <laughs> and uh, also to my right... Uh, on the other team is uh, Media Talk regulars Paul Robinson and Maggie Brown. Welcome both. Hello. Hello. Well, thank you all for joining us. I think it's time to start with uh, a completely freeform style, which is to ask you, well, what has been your highlight of 2012? Let's look back before we get our crystal balls out. And I don't mean that in naughty fashion. Vicky, I'm looking at you. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm vaguely hysterical. I'm going to choose a TV moment of the year because that's what I uh, know about. Yes, exactly. Good, that's what you're here for. And I Tick am box. going to choose Sherlock falling off that roof and uh, dying or not dying, or etc, etc. Because, actually, it happened in January and everyone forgets that it was even in this year. I must admit, I forgot it was even in this year. And it was just a brilliant, brilliant bit of telly. And it's sort of, and also, if you remember, like, at the beginning of last year, it was like, boring, boring, it's New Year, it's horrible. Oh, my God, Sherlock's amazing. And everyone just talked about it for about six months. It was great telly. Ollie, moving on, what was your highlight of the year? Oh, well, you know, I, this is not my... <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that was my a good year, yeah. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to give a highlight as in something I actually personally enjoyed, uh, but a, a, a meme, if you like, from the world of the web that I noticed this year was kind of political web videos becoming as big as things like Gangnam Style. So stuff like Coney 2012, which obviously was this year, the clues in the name. Uh, yeah, that was absolutely massive. More young people saw that than any other charity campaign this year. And I know that it was widely discredited and the man behind it ended up having a sort of temporary breakdown as well. But nonetheless, to reach that many millions of people with what is essentially, you could call it a polemic rather than a documentary, but a half-hour film about a serious subject, you know, child soldiers, uh, I thought that was actually incredible use of the internet. And I think any charity campaign moving forward now is going to be using YouTube in, in that kind of way. And same thing with The Innocence of Muslims as well, the, the very controversial film, obviously, that was blamed for deaths in embassies and so on. I mean, again, <laughs> not exactly a personal highlight. It's terrible. It's riceable. It's, you can't even watch it. But uh, what an incredible story that that, something so ridiculous uh, on YouTube, managed to uh, go around the world like that. And at the other extreme, um, Nick Clegg saying sorry with a bit of auto tune. Was a great song. Was a genu- so, such a great song. I actually can't remember how many times he says sorry in the genuine speech because I've heard it set to music so many times <laughs> that, as far as I'm concerned, it's five times and then into the chorus. <laughs> Paul, what was your highlight of 2012? 
Uh, I think my highlight was actually the Paralympics. Uh, I, you know, I had tickets to the Olympics and went to a couple of events and thought it was fantastic, but um, had tickets to the Paralympics and didn't really uh, have a huge amount of excitement about it before going. But going just found it incredible and, and saw David Weird, who was 2,000 metres. And I think I was just amazed how much I was knocked out by it and how I think it made me think about uh, disability. And I, I think it's probably been the single event that's changed people's perceptions more than anything else I can recall. So for me, Paralympics, fantastic to watch the piece of sport but brilliant for what it did for uh, perception and portrayal of disabled people in this country well maybe that's a topic we'll return to in a moment who knows uh, and, and maggie oh, b no, over to you we did not rehearse this this is a spontaneous like yeah. anyone thinks because, we rehearsed this maggie. No, <laughs> my highlight of the year was actually the olympics because i absolutely adored it from the opening ceremony but the thing that i adored most as a great lover of equestrian events and horses uh was one of the final events which was the modern pentathlon when the contestants all have to ride completely random show jumping horses that they are introduced to and they have 20 minutes to get to know and this is like the most extraordinary comedy act you have ever seen where these highly highly um nervy horses uh, get a Korean rider or whoever it might be on their backs and they don't want to jump and they don't want them on their backs and they don't want to be in an Olympic show ring and they just go bonkers and uh, I sat there in absolute amazement and I watched this thing and I just laughed and laughed and laughed. Well thank you very much Maggie. We're going to start off with uh, round one which is called That's a Wrap. That's when we all have to perform a song in the style of... No, it's not. It's not. No, it's rap with a W. Um, rap. And, There's a bit of a paradox there, calling round one. That's not about a capital C, then. So beginning with the end. Yeah, yeah. I see. Oh. And the fact we've already done five minutes. I'm not sure anyone thought this through. What it says here is, producer Matt, behind the glass, has lovingly wrapped up a news story for each team. Uh, they have to unwrap it and then guess the media story. So I have two, uh, two parcels here, which I hope... They're, they're so beautifully wrapped in Guardian newspaper. I hope this is what I receive on Christmas Day. Um, <laughs> now, given your uh, answer to the preceding round, uh, that's made up my mind who gets what. So, uh, Vicky and Ollie, can I pass you, pass you this uh, little giftage here? Thank you. Can I do the unwrapping? Yeah, of course you can. Okay, so, well, that's the best thing. Since you're the lead panelist, that would seem only <laughs> natural. <laughs> I have to say, Vicky's doing this very elegantly as well. She's not ripping it off. She's no, just no, doing, I don't. Actually, it's very sorry. tidy. I like, to, yeah. I like wrapping up and I like unwrapping things. Oh, Vicky, what have you got? We've got some Paralympic Games tickets. And actually, there are some tickets inside. This is proper. This is yeah. producer like Matt's a, personal souvenir, isn't it? Yeah, it is. This you, is you've like missed a the proper event. thing. What did he go to? He went to the technical rehearsal at the Olympic Stadium. Oh, that was what I wanted well, to go to. He went to athletics as well. Pretty good spread. Yeah, well, I must say, good. I went to the synchronised swimming heats. That's the best I got. That's and quite the, a good thing to go to. It's interesting that they couldn't do a, a follow-up of 2012 because everybody had assumed there would be lots of things to satirise. But in fact, it went so well. They couldn't <laughs> then do a comedy, could they? I must say at this point, having wrapped up the tickets as a sort of prop in which we should talk about the Olympics and Paralympics, how grateful I am that Paul and Maggie both talked about the Olympics and Paralympics before this particular <laughs> round. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's absolutely no risk of repeating ourselves here. I mean, but uh, the Paralympics were... I know we've talked about how great they were. And... I thought they were a really lovely thing because actually they be, sort of became Britain's games, don't you think? Nobody could ever, nobody got any tickets for the Olympics, or nobody I know got any tickets I for did. the Olympics, apart from Paul. Obviously, he got tickets, and, me. I was and Maggie. I, I got tickets. <laughs> right, so everybody apart <laughs> from me got tickets to the Olympics, uh, and because they all did that, then 
everyone thought, oh, but I'd like to go to something. Oh, I'll go to the Paralympics. And actually, it was quite a nice thing, the way that worked. I thought Channel 4 did a really good job with it. Given that Channel 4 has been a bit mm, of late, I thought it was a, quite a good way of them sort of stamping their authority on something and doing it well, perhaps against, you know, when nobody really expected them to and do Claire it well. Claire Balding, I mean, she came out as a complete star, didn't she? I mean, wasn't she stunning at both the Olympics and the Paralympics? Oh, at both, Don't you think? Yeah, Incredible. totally at both. I mean, and then I think the professional presenters didn't overshadow the uh, the new yeah. presenters, the, the Paralympics. Olympian presenters who themselves were learning on the job and I, I was very impressed by the pairings and the lack of sort of condescension really. Yeah I agree the, the only weakness I think was actually in the opening ceremony where um, they didn't quite have the authority I think the BBC had but I mean other than that fantastic coverage by Channel 4. Although Trevor Nelson not sure in the Olympics opening ceremony. Oh God, it was that was <laughs> sorry, sorry to bring that up but I, no. I do remember someone live editing Trevor Nelson's Wikipedia yeah. page during that to say DJ Trevor Nelson is a man who talks more than he should during events like the opening of the Olympic Games. But the, but the opening of the Olympic ceremony was incredible, wasn't it? Danny Boyle. I mean, I, I always knew, by the way, and I'm on the record saying this, that it was going to be good because he is just bloody brilliant, isn't he? He's always brilliant. But still, I don't think anyone knew just how good that was going to be. We're such an awkward country to encapsulate in that kind of cultural way. We're so sniffy and snobby and cynical. And there'd been so much hype around how terrible parts of the Olympics were going to be and the security and everything else. And it just got rid of it all in one stroke. It was just... I love the fact the Americans didn't understand so much of it. There were so many lovely, quirky British cultural references that the US didn't get. You know, the National Health Service being a classic one. And what's this all about? These people in beds. Well, actually, that was brilliantly done. And I love that I loved it. It was totally bonkers. I mean, but bits of it were absolutely mad, yeah. and I thought that was its charm. And it kind of it set a really good tone. I thought for the Olympics, it just wasn't too pompous. It was kind of like you know, we're Britain. You all think we're like you know terribly repressed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but actually, we're just we can laugh at ourselves. Yeah, and, and we're a bit laughing at oneself. Mad. When yeah. does that ever happen in an Olympics opening ceremony, or for that matter, even a Eurovision? No one does that apart China. from Britain. I mean, you know, exactly. it's yeah. completely yeah. different. The other thing, I mean, surely it was just inclusive and in that it, 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 it included so many different types of, yeah. of people and, and it was just a, a wonderful event. And the important thing is the BBC coverage was so good that nothing they can do for the rest of the year is going to give any kind of blemish on that record during the Olympics. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> just yeah, unassailably brilliant. We've all remembered that. Yeah. A brilliant year for the BBC. Great institution, yeah. yeah. Well, the BBC, Ollie, I'm, I'm glad that you returned it to the topic of media because uh, the, the Guardian compliance chap is knocking on the window <laughs> saying this is called Media Talk. Let's talk about media coverage. But uh, the BBC made it look very easy and I'm sure it probably wasn't. Yeah, fantastic. Although people did at the time point out that they were being slightly nationalistic sometimes. Mark Thompson about, did apparently. Yeah, yeah. well, talk, there, was an em- there was an emphasis on but Team GB, not? wasn't there? I mean, I think it was about time we did that. I mean, you know, if you listen to football commentary, it's partisan if you listen on local radio. I think it was right we banged our drum a bit. We don't do enough of that. So I, I'd say Mark Thompson is wrong. I think the BBC tone was absolutely perfect. It would have been so much weirder if it hadn't been like that. Yeah. I mean... I think the BBC has quite enough problems without inventing some more for itself, although it is extremely good at doing that too. What was interesting in the stadium, though, what was good in the actual stadium was how good the crowds were, actually, and applauding not just the home team, but also all the other teams. I thought, actually, that was a really good characteristic. You know, our our athletes, yeah, big cheer, but we applauded everybody, which is very British too, I think. Well, Maggie and Paul, it's time for you to receive your Christmas gift. Oh, it's going to get locked. Yeah, you've forgotten there was another one, haven't you? Yeah, Maggie's going to Can I throw it at you, Maggie? Because the the Guardian's due is so enormous. I'll move the water just so we don't get a horrible mess. So Maggie's unwrapping what looks to be a book. I am wrestling with a package which Father Christmas would never have thought of. Maggie, it's very exciting. Is it Fifty Shades of Grey? I wonder. There we go. There we go, Maggie. 
The fall of the House of Murdoch. It's not really a subliminal clue, Maggie. But can you, can you, can you <laughs> guess story. the media story? <laughs> well, clearly it's about whether or not Rupert Murdoch had a good 2012. In a, in a funny way, he's kind of regrouped, hasn't he? Because his share price has shot up because he's decided to divide his empire up. Um, he's somehow kept hold of uh, uh, or kept the critical shareholders at bay. And he would seem to be about to install the editor of his choice at the time. So I would have said a better year for him. And I was also noting, do you remember that there was supposed to be some kind of House of Commons or Parliament move against uh, News International for telling porkies over the... um, the phone hacking and all the rest of its scandals and doesn't seem to have been any move to censure him in in political circles so perhaps it's all just been kind of pushed under the carpet and the other point i'd make is despite all of the brouhaha about murdoch and and uh, you know the whole uh, uh, scandal over hacking his businesses his media businesses have done very very well b sky b continues to do incredibly well ad subscribers highly profitable sky go now got 2.8 million subscribers uh, sky italia yep sky yeah. italia is doing okay b um sky deutschland in germany is now putting on subs and is out of the woodwork after being a mess under premiera uh, they've actually um foxtel has taken over ostar in australia from liberty uh, and now foxtel is fully owned uh, where they've taken over the, the, the share that um, the liberty had so foxtel is now controlled by Murdoch. So his TV business is doing really, really well. And X Factor has done better on Fox as well. This is well, this we, can, is we can skirt over that. But, no, but, the, but his digital-only newspaper, Ollie, um, shut down this year. Yeah, the Daily. Yeah, no big surprise there, really, because, I mean, the subscribers are in the low thousands, I think. But, I mean, that was a very noble attempt, wasn't it? I mean, that's the thing about Murdoch. People were saying when it launched... Uh, this is a completely misguided idea. The technology's not ready for it. No one's going to pay for news on an iPad and so on. But actually, you would have said that about Sky News 15 years previously. And so I think people still sort of in the depths of themselves wanted it to work. But the content was not to scratch it. Well, I wasn't really surprised that all the things turned out to be true. People don't want to pay for it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's something for the whole news industry to get over, isn't it? It was a noble attempt. But I mean... I, the, I think the basic problem was it didn't update more than twice a day, which for something that's live on your iPad is a very bizarre idea. You know, you understand that you're getting a PDF if you are literally getting a PDF of a paper edition of a newspaper, but if no paper edition exists and you're getting an internet product, why can't they update it? I mean, that's just a very weird fail right from the beginning, I think. And it did show, as with MySpace, that he hasn't really got the golden touch when it comes to that. Okay, well, that's the end of the first round, and uh, I'm glad to say you you both, uh, tough challenges we set you there, but you both correctly identified the media story at your fingertips. So that's 100 points each. It's time now for our team to put their hands away, uh, there's no double entendre intended there, and engage their ears as we play the clips round. Paul and Maggie, it's your turn first. Stick on your cans, as I believe they're called in the uh, 1970s. Let's hear a clip of Lord Patton, who is, of course, chairman of the BBC Trust. Listen carefully, there's a question to follow. I'm delighted to tell you that the BBC Trust has unanimously selected as the next Director General of the BBC. He's been a great creative leader of the BBC over the years. We're absolutely convinced that under the BBC will build on its reputation as the greatest uh, public service broadcaster, arguably the greatest broadcaster uh, in the world. So, Paul and Maggie, you have a 50-50 chance. 
Which Director General was Lord Patton announcing? Uh, I think it's George Entwistle. You think George Entwistle, not Tony Hall? Well, he didn't sound strained, did he, in that? A great creative leader. I think he was... I think it's Entwistle. I think it's Entwistle too, although it's interesting that, in fact, he did use the word unanimous in appointing uh, Tony Hall as well. So that word's been used on both appointments, but we think it's George Entwistle. Okay, well, that was Lord Patton sounding very optimistic and positive and looking forward to a fantastic, bright future for the BBC back in the summer. And you're absolutely right, of course, it was uh, George Entwistle. Right, Vicky and Ollie. Two points on offer for the next clip. Although, seeing as it's 100 points each after the first round, it feels a bit... Uh, <laughs> feels like he shouldn't be too fussed about this. Um, who is speaking and what media figure is he talking about? He is interested in what we do. He is absolutely interested. He's a viewer. And like most viewers, everybody has an opinion. And he obviously wants... He lets me know what it is. He wants to be part of the process, which is fantastic to have actually somebody challenging you about what you're doing, asking you are we doing the right thing. It's definitely uh, not Paxman talking about George Entwistle. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're right. Vicky, any thoughts? Not, no, no. Not, not immediately to mind. Not, not immediately, uh, sorry. He's being defensive, isn't he, saying he's a viewer. Who is it that someone would say isn't a viewer? Mm, mm, Maggie, Paul, any thoughts? Something to do with maybe the Edinburgh Television Festival. Is there well, some, mm. a certain... Um, uh, Jeff Ford? Um, Jeff Ford, it is uh, Jeff Ford, Maggie, Charles yes. Five. Are they talking about Richard Desmond? Ex- oh, well, one point each. <laughs> You're absolutely well, I, right. I totally stole that well, from Maggie, I think. No, no, Can no, I because, take half a no, point? No, because remember, Jeff Ford isn't, isn't there anymore. No, so this was him maybe... Didn't he do some sort of roasting final speech, actually? Although this clearly wasn't that, was it? I think it was at the Edinburgh Television Festival. I'm not entirely sure. Well, that's right, yes. Jeff Ford, who was the uh, former director of programmes at Channel 5, talking about Channel 5 owner Richard Desmond and exactly how much say and input uh, the big boss has on the channel. And uh, you'd suspect, Maggie, that uh, Desmond's got rather more influence now that Jeff Ford has gone. Yes, and indeed. I mean, he's replacing him with Ben Frow. And, of course, when Ben Frow was at Channel 4, he uh, championed how clean is your house and uh, lots of other things. So I think probably we're in for a lot more sort of reality TV. Maybe would, that, would that be up, up market for Channel 5 or down market? I'm not even I think sure. it would be slightly up market for yeah. Channel 5, actually. I mean... What and the has- thing is, Channel 5 is such an odd channel. Yeah, it just it? feels like whoever's, you know, scheduling it has slightly given up. And, you know, the things that do well are, are kind of, I guess, that ice road, truckers and the, the um, what's it Hotel called? Hotel Inspector, which I'm a big fan of. Yeah, uh, yes. and Rolf's Animal Clinic. Gadget Show. Gadget Show. And the Gadget Show. Yep. Know, they've messed about with that and so and made it not very good anymore. That was weird, wasn't it? One of their really genuinely successful formats and they <laughs> yeah, just changed they just it for no reason it. at all. <laughs> yeah. I did like the Jedward YouTube video collection show, though. I, don't, I can't remember what it's called. Jedward's Wild World of something. But, they, uh, I missed that. What I like about it is it, it's just basically you've been framed, but for kidults, really. And it, it's kind of Jedward sort of... I can't believe I'm over-intellectualising this so much. But Jedward kind of hosted it a bit like Eurotrash. So they're wearing a, a succession of hilarious outfits in front of a blue screen the whole way through, and they talk completely impenetrably. And then all they do during the clips is go, whoa, every time someone hits their nuts. That's it. And you know what? Actually, for post-pub entertainment, it's something the likes of which we haven't seen since Eurotrash. I quite enjoyed that. Well, if it's on DVD, the perfect Christmas gift. Um, Well, I doubt it is. Rights issues there. (laughs) I think the thing with with Channel 5 that's so weird is that given how many digital channels are now on offer and how much better lots of those digital channels are than Channel 5, I just find it weird it's almost still going. Do you know what I mean? 
Except it is now profitable. I mean, the one thing he has done is the thing that you know, CLT couldn't do is he's now turned a profit. I mean, you almost get a sense that uh, it's all about making it a business and not really caring too much about what's on the screen. I mean, it really is a hodgepodge on air. Yeah, I th- and I do think that shows on screen. I mean, it might be like, you know, you're hitting the right advertisers and all those sort of things, but I think you're doing that at the expense of having a cohesive kind of identity for the channel. I don't really know what Channel 5 stands for at all. Well, moving on, but only slightly. Another question for Paul and Maggie. What's happening in this clip? I think that's enough of that, do you think? Well, Well, that's enough there. I've I've, I've come over all... um, uh, a whiter shade of pale. Uh, Paula Maggie. Well, if she was still alive, it'd be the new Donna Summer record, wouldn't it? You know, <laughs> Love to Love You Baby Part 2. But uh, I don't think... It, I, I think this is um, uh, Jazz FM. And uh, Correct. Somehow, somehow they managed to uh, have a, a gay porn soundtrack uh, running at the same time as uh, a programme hosted, I think, by the guys, the programme director. Boss, yeah. uh, Mike Vitti, I think, was yeah. on air at the time. So, I mean, you know, it brought a whole new sort of meaning, didn't it? To sort of, you know, uh, hot, uh, hot beats and... Uh, you know your rhythm buds, as uh, as Robbie Vincent would call it. I mean, you know, I, I, and there was also a very weird statement put out. I think that they said something about uh, there was uh, unauthorized activity and inappropriate behavior in the studio. And as if I, you could apply for that to be authorized uh, at yeah, other times of the day. Exactly. <laughs> it's a bit and boring this show, so I'm just going to watch some porn. It was during the was daytime. It, it was daytime. It was daytime. Yes, yeah, so I thought it was Saturday evening. It was Saturday it? evening. It was it evening. It was called Funky Sensations, the show. Okay, which I think is asking for this kind of thing. I mean, I bet no one does this while. Whilst they're broadcasting Pinar's politics. I think that if you do a show called Funky Sensations, you're asking for the staff to do that. I didn't know that the show was called that. I'm amazed that there is even a show called that, to be quite honest. <laughs> well, that's enough jazz for now. Uh, Vicky and Ollie, it's back to you again. Who's this poor victim talking at the Leveson Inquiry? We were mobbed by journalists and paparazzi. Mm. I had a microphone stuck in my mouth and said, what's your main consideration? And I said, her here. Are you uh, suggesting, Mr... Uh, this pack of journalists and paparazzi were acting in any way inappropriately. I think it's part of the game. And what's the game? Harass people. It's all in the game, as they used to say in The Wire. Yeah. Who was that giving evidence to Leveson? I know this one. Go on. That was Mr Murdoch. Or Mr Murdoch's dad, depending which one you're talking about. (laughs) But yeah. The Mr Murdoch. The Mr Murdoch. Sounding a bit less like something out of the Matrix than his son does when he was giving evidence but yes very revealing moment this wasn't it it was the hunter hunter became the hunted yeah and that context that it's all part of a game that that's how he sees tabloid journalism I mean in the uh, context of the Leveson Inquiry the most humbling day of my life and all this it seemed sort of frank of him to say that I mean it was admitting that really a lot of what they do in the pursuit of tabloid journalism isn't really about the story and isn't really about doing the right thing it is about a game rather than anything else and yeah he was on the receiving end on this occasion but he was sort of defending it and saying well that's what tabloid journalism is well we're staying with Leveson for our next clip Paul and Maggie who's this? he would sign them off at DC in the main anything else? (laughs) occasionally he would sign them off um LOL, lots of love. Actually, until I told him it meant laugh out loud, and then he didn't sign them like that anymore. Who can that possibly have been? We know this one, I think, don't we? We certainly we do. do. She said together? She said together, yes. One, we think two, it's... Well, one, one, two, two three. three. Rebecca, Rebecca Brooks. Brooks. Oh, very good. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, and one of the most memorable uh, uh, moments of the Leveson Inquiry, but didn't actually make it into the Leveson Report. 
Well, I mean, it would have been a better report with a bit of levity, wouldn't it? I thought you were going to say with a bit of tech speak and emoji. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we all wanted from Lord Justice Leveson. <laughs> but isn't it a bit extraordinary that the Prime Minister didn't know what LOL meant? I mean, as a sort of PR guy, do you not think that's really surprising? I mean, well, I to me, that's quite a revelation. I it's like asking, you know, what's the price of a pint of milk and not knowing? It just didn't, he didn't know. I had to be put right by my children about four years ago because I was putting LOL at the end of my messages. So, I mean, that just shows that we're not all, I mean, you know, I'm, at least Cameron's younger than me, for God's sake. So he should have known. It's that thing of him being, you know, the total kiss of death, though, isn't it? As soon as he knows, that's it. You should never, ever use it ever again. Oh, I like mean, the Metro talking about things on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and like Sam Cam turning up in the killing jumper earlier this week, you know, immediately everyone else had to burn theirs. So it's kind of, you know, it's that thing, isn't it? Well, thank you for that. Our last clip, or possibly clips, who are these people saying goodbye to their shows? Should have known when I wasn't included on that little round up there. Good afternoon, everybody, on the very final show up here in the treehouse. And so we're off. And I just wanted to let you know. A couple of more months of us, and then it's someone else's turn to have a go. It's always good, isn't it, when you, when you come to the end of your run to go with dignity. Um, one did and one didn't. One did. Well, we'll start with you, Paul. Who, who did? Uh, Chris Moyles uh, went with dignity. Uh, his last but one show was uh, an incredible celebration of the previous years, and the very last show was a quite sort of regular, you know, quiet show. I think uh, Moyles did a great job at Radio 1, actually, and he, he signed off with dignity, although clearly didn't go maybe when he expected to go. I think he uh, was surprised by when he was uh, asked to go. Um, and uh, obviously replaced now by uh, Nick Grimshaw, which was um, you know right decision by Ben Cooper, but sort of end of an era for Moyles. Question will be, I guess, whether Moyles goes back on Radio 1 again in the future and we still don't know uh, can't see him on radio too somehow you know when he finishes doing his little theatrical thing I, I don't know where's Moyles going to end up that's the big question I wonder if it's going to be radio initially I think he might try and fail with an app first uh, it's a bit like we were saying earlier with the daily with Rupert <laughs> Murdoch I mean it, there's a sense that even though everyone knows it can't work really that people won't pay for podcasts by god I've tried uh, still people think well it's Chris Moyles you know he's got such a huge audience if he starts if he starts talking about doing an app and charging people for it that's such a huge audience there. Um, but I think it, it, ultimately people don't want three hours of content from him that they've, that they've paid for. They'd rather have it through Five Live or whatever it is he ends up on. But behind. he won't be satisfied with that. I mean, you know, he's a turn. You know, he wants to be doing stuff. He's not televisual. I mean, he's tried mm. various things on TV. I don't think he's going to work on TV. He is a great radio person, but what's he going to do? Because he, he needs something to satisfy that ego. You know, I mean, when, when you've been behind a microphone and done it so many years, really, really hard. It's like a drug. You know, how do you come off that? How does he keep himself motivated in the future? Well, that was Moyle saying goodbye. But uh, I come to you, Ollie and Vicky. Who was the other voice we heard? Oh, that was that was Danny Baker, the Candyman, who Paul suggested didn't go with the dignity. No, but I mean, we could all sort of sympathise with why, couldn't we? He just yeah. found out he'd been fired, and then he went on air. I mean, it was just very mismanaged, wasn't it? Well, maybe maybe that's not true. I mean, if you talk to BBC management, you get a different story. So I think you've got to be a bit careful there because I think his agent was involved, and there's some story about his agent not communicating, and Danny apparently wants to go down to one show a week as well as his five live shows or two shows a week. So I think there are other elements to this we don't necessarily know, and I don't want to say any more. Thing is, Danny Baker is absolutely one of my favourite broadcasters. He is an absolute class act. There's nobody... I, I just don't... I think for that kind of warmth and interaction with viewers, there is nobody Reading to match listeners? him. Uh, oh, yes, yes, sorry. Listeners? With listeners, yeah. Well, you can speak in stereo. But, you know, there's, there really is nobody to match him at all. And, and I sort of almost quite liked that he sort of just let it... put it out there and sort of said, this is really frustrating and why. And... 
And also, I think it's a bit of a shame. I, you know, I think Danny Baker should be on radio all the time. His Saturday morning show on Five Live is absolutely first rate. Now, I listen to that, but I think you can have too much of him. He's such a strong flavour that I find about once a week is quite enough for me. I, I'd Ricky. quite happily listen more than that. Really he would quite on, happily. Um, he's on Radio 2 over the Christmas holidays. He's got a one, uh, two-hour special on Radio 2 over Christmas. Well, thanks very much for that. At the end of the clips round, it is, let me have a look, one, two, three, four, six thousand points each. We're back for the second half, or is it the third half of the uh, Media Guardian Quizmas uh, quiz thing? Right, coming up is uh, something we've never tried before. Uh, that's right, it's uh, Intellectual Discussion of the Week's Events. <laughs> of course not, of course not. It's uh, too much laughter. It's Play Your Media Guardian Top 100 Right. Note for younger listeners, it's the theme music to a Bruce Forsyth quiz on ITV a couple of years ago. All right, 20 years ago. Okay, so two names, but who was higher in the Media Guardian 100? Paul Dacre or Simon Cowell? So this year. Dacre. Yes, yes, Dacre. this year. Dacre. Most popular newspaper website in the world, isn't it? Dacre. Yeah, Paul Dacre. Ollie got it right. And feel free just yes. to sort of shout out your But answers. I think that's sort of interesting because. I'd have expected Cal to be higher this year, but lower next year because he seems like he's going a bit wrong. His yeah, sort and of I suspect he's probably lower so, this year because he's not had some screen time, whereas his influence is probably as great as ever. Good. These are intended as a springboard for discussion. Uh, your next two names <laughs> as are... As Brucey used to say, famously. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Springboard for discussion. It's like being in some terrible workshop. <laughs> yes, Ollie, you're absolutely right. Uh, Simon Cowell was at number nine. Paul Dacre just ahead at number seven. But, sticking with Simon Cowell, was he higher or lower than Jeremy Clarkson? He was higher. Simon Cowell was higher. Maggie, you're absolutely right. Simon Cowell was number nine. Jeremy Clarkson, 27. But was Jeremy Clarkson higher or lower than Ian Hislop? Oh. I suspect he was higher, and that will make me a bit cross if that is true. No, I, I think this year Hislop was higher because of all the Leveson stuff. No, Clarkson was higher, so Vicky's right. Oh, okay. But you're on the same team, so I don't oh. know how that works. Uh, well, Vicky takes the point, obviously. <laughs> I'd like to say I agree with Ollie. I think Ollie's rationale was absolutely right. Good. Well, Jeremy Clarkson was 27. Ian Hislop was 46. But I mean, I'm not saying that this Media Guardian 100 isn't the last word in who is most powerful. <laughs> but, but really? Yes. Who was Ian on the committee was this year? We should have not an inquiry, me. I think. A full inquiry is required here. Last question, you'll be released no part until the next round. Ian Hislop was number 46, but was he higher or lower than George Entwistle? Oh, well, there's a problem. Uh, probably higher. But no, when did it come out? Yes, it came exactly. out in September, didn't it? It did indeed, this? Yeah. So he'd just been appointed. Entwistle, you're absolutely right. It was higher. Entwistle was number four. And yeah. where will Entwistle <gasps> be next year, I Nowhere. wonder? <laughs> yes, minus Somewhere 200. Somewhere with all that money, I would Somewhere think, having a nice time. With his 450,000, yeah. 20 bonus points for Vicky, that's <laughs> For bringing that round to a humorous end, which, uh, frankly, none of us could have foreseen. <laughs> It's the final round. Um, hide your disappointment at home, in the car, on the train, or in prison. <laughs> Depends where you're listening to this. It's the quick fire uh, buzz around thing. So I'm going to hand out the buzzers. Uh, I'm going to uh, pass them um, to. Uh, here is uh, Vicky and Ollie's buzzer. Give it a go. How does it work? Fantastic. And Paul and Maggie. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's rather nice. There you go. So if you hear that noise, yes. that it, means. Did you bring it in from your bike? Uh, no, I stole it. So that means... Uh, that's got, it has been stolen. Look, it's got a piece of cardboard where it's been ripped off the wrapper and it's been removed from the shop. All right, Paul, I confessed freely. Yeah. Do I, do I, <laughs> I'm just shocked, John. I, I thought into you were account a wholesome, when I'm sentenced. Uh, you know, individual. My right, first question. I'm stolen, holding stolen goods. Fingers on your buzzers. Okay, oh, I haven't had a go at ringing our buzzer yet. Can okay. I just practice? Well, <laughs> okay, fine. I just want to check, you know, if I have to get in quickly, that's all. Okay, teams, get ready. Question number one. 
Which co- and we're starting off with a big media story of the year. Which company paid Rio Ferdinand, Katie Price, and Cher Lloyd to tweet about their products? Ollie Mann. Uh, uh, Snickers. Yeah, or Mars. Are they the same thing? Yeah, yeah, Mars parent company Mars Snickers. Company. Yeah. Question number two. Which apprentice star took over presenting duties at Countdown? Oh, that was the bell, I think. Paul Robinson? We know that one. It's Nick Hewer. Nick Hewer, of yes, course. So, with, uh, with a raised eyebrow. No, it's Margaret who's got the eyebrows. Hasn't he got eyebrows? Well, he's certainly not Richard Whiteley. He's not Richard Whiteley, or indeed uh, Jeff Stelling. Or Or indeed Ruth Badger. (laughs) Peter (laughs) Thought. But actually, I quite like him on there, actually. Yes, I do. I think think he's good. I think he's excellent. Just a shame their ratings have collapsed. Have they? Yes, because they've moved it. The Apprentice or Countdown? Or both? Countdown. Well, more good news for Channel 4. Question number three Who won UK Station of the Year at the Sonys? One for you, Paul. Uh, this was, I think, BBC Six Music. It was BBC Six Music, and the station that came back from the dead. 1.6 million listeners, amazing. I mean, great great station. I think uh, Six Music, you know, given we've got about, what, 20% of listening is currently Paul, on I don't DAB. Paul, I don't Double rude, the audience they quick five years. <laughs> yeah. No, I've got a bit of, bit of context, John. I don't think Bruce, you said launch pad for discussion this time. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just suggesting it's going to have double the audience in five years' time. We've got an ad break coming up soon, so we've got to hurry. If, 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 sorry, if, if Paul's allowed a quick rant about the Sonys, I just want to say as well, they've got rid of the best internet programme category for 2013. Outrage. That is a mistake is the highest profile uh, platform for UK podcasters. Massive fail on behalf of the Sony Radio Academy, in my humble opinion. Why did they do it? Uh, I, I suspect because... Uh, Who's on that committee? That's an inquiry <laughs> into that one as well. I'm, I'm not on that committee. It is, a, it is a shocking decision, I think. It's hardly I think it's a wrong decision, yeah. Totally. I think they think that uh, if you do a comedy podcast, you should enter comedy because it's so mainstream now. And if you do an entertainment podcast, you should enter entertainment. And that just does not account for the fact that you're up against the BBC in categories that even commercial radio often doesn't get nominated. Maybe they just want the guests to be able to get home before two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> well, it, 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 it was actually a very quick ceremony this last year. If anything, they rushed through it too much. I think they do want to reduce the number of categories, but that's the wrong one to cut. Yeah, but the good news is there's a new category. Is it Radio Brand of the Year? Very important. Very exciting. Yes, and and maybe there'll be what one for quickfire quiz on a podcast of the year next year. Radio. In which case, prepare the entry. Well, what? We'll finish this by 2014. <laughs> we'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Question number four: What happened to Time Out London this year? Oh, Vicky it went Frost. free and it's rubbish. A- Good. Is it rubbish? It is yes, really, it's rubbish. really rubbish. I'm a subscriber. I used to love it, and now it's like a student magazine. Well, it's I got no it. listings, has it? I mean, oh. you used to buy it for the listings, which are brilliant. And yeah. now it's got no listings. It's just rather average features. Yeah. Next question. Which Today correspondent had to apologise after revealing a private conversation he had with the Queen? Oh, that was... Paul Robbo. Frank Gardner. It was Frank Gardner. Next question. Uh, how rubbish has Homeland become? <laughs> Maggie, uh, Vicky Frost. Quite. Quite rubbish. That's it. Well, I'm not sure that's correct. Actually. Disagree yeah. on behalf of the team, but anyway, fine. You <laughs> what can would have you it. Say? Never watch it. Uh, not at all. I love it. Compelling. Still no, called rubbish. Yeah, no, wrong, no, answer. wrong answer. Wrong answer. Sorry. Wrong. Yeah, it's become appalling. So uh, wrong. no points there. Appalling. Gosh. Uh, yeah, went to a grammar school. Appalling. Um, now time for a maths question. The number of days George Entwistle was DG minus Chris Moyle's age. What number do you get? Ooh. Uh, okay, I'm going to guess. He was Go. Uh, 19. Wrong. Oh. Robbo. No, wait a minute. How, 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 how many days is Chris? How, how, how old Chris is... Moyles is uh, he's like 43, he, is he? He's he, no, he that old? No, no. It's 54 yeah. days. He's about 30 years. Yeah, it's about 30 years. So what are we going to go for? How many, what do you think Chris Moyles is? Well, he's got the question. Is he 40? No, I don't think yeah. he is he's 40. 40. I think he's in his what, late 39? This is like so Peter when you can read the characters' voices in their heads. 16. 16. Well, the answer is uh, George Emerson was, was in office for 54 days. Chris Moyles is 38 years old. So the answer 16. is 16. Oh, we got so the points. Right, yeah. Brilliant. Sort of, after much uh, discussion. Yeah, three, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Three we, goals, no, no, no. Yeah, but we got the right number and I got Chris Moyles' age yeah. right. We should obviously get those points. I One more question. 
Don't forget, it's a quickfire round. What will the future of press regulation look like in the UK in 2013? No, I'm only kidding, of course. <laughs> Robert JQC at the Leveson Inquiry was notorious for his colourful language, and I don't mean swearing, but propinquity. <laughs> he couldn't say it either. Propinquity. What does it mean? Ooh. No takers. Less posh propensity. Well, it's good to end the quiz on an upbeat note. Now, the answer, of course, is nearness, kinship, or similarity in nature. The final scores on the doors are producer Matt. It's a draw. It's a draw. I demand an inquiry, a full public inquiry. Nobody wins. No, no, I'm sorry. I mean, everyone wins. I mean, sorry. Yes, of course. Well, my thanks to, of course, Maggie Brown and Paul Robinson in the uh, blue corner and in the red corner, Mr. Ollie Mann and Ms. Vicky Frost. Very grateful to you all for taking part in this, our very first uh, Quizmas, Christmas, Quizmas quiz. Of course, uh, listener response will dictate uh, whether we're back next year, along with uh, econo- economic conditions and, of course, uh, my ongoing health issues. Uh, Media Talk will be back in the new year. Thanks for listening. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.